everybody. Welcome back to the continuation of episode two of the Echo Leadership Podcast. My name is Andy Wood, and I am your host. I'm so glad that you are joining us today for a conversation about leadership credibility. Our goal here with the podcast is to help you become the kind of leader that the people on your team want to follow. And I do believe that one of the most important aspects of your followability is your credibility. Leaders who don't have credibility, people don't want to follow them. Uh, I've been watching in the COVID-19 crisis, different leaders respond different ways. In Q2, I've seen some leaders, uh, 2020 Q2, I've seen some leaders build credibility and some leaders destroy credibility. So we framed this whole conversation, eight easy ways to destroy your credibility as a leader. If you haven't downloaded the notes, I want to encourage you to go to our website and get them, echo.church slash leadership podcast. Idea number five, the thing that we don't want to do or the easy way to destroy our credibility is to boldly predict the future. Have you ever noticed uh, how leaders do this a lot? Boldly predict what they're going to do in the next month, two months, year. There's a lot even in the Bible about this. There's a guy in the Old Testament named Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet and a leader during a time where the Israelites were exiled to Babylon. Babylon is modern-day Iraq and Iran. Uh, They were exiled for a really long period of time, 70 years. And on the front end of this, Jeremiah writes a letter and says, we're going to be here for 70 years. And another prophet writes and says, no, it's only going to be two years. Well, two years came and went, and this guy was proven to be a false prophet. I think a lot of leaders don't think through the implications of their bold predictions, saying things like, you know, this is what's going to happen to the economy because of the COVID-19 crisis. It's going to take this long for people to, for, for the crisis to end. We're going to be out of it by this date. None of us really know, even now as I record this in late May of 2020, nobody knows what it's going to look like. Is there going to be a second wave? Is the economy going to bounce right back? Each state is responding differently. So when I, as a leader, stand up and I make bold predictions, it really does diminish my credibility as a leader. I want to encourage you as a leader to think about this reality. You do not have to make bold predictions to be a bold leader. It's possible to lead with courage, to lead with faith, to lead with vision without making bold predictions. So I'll give you a couple of practical ways that I think about it. I think about making bold preparations. I can make bold preparations instead of bold predictions. Several ways that we try to make bold preparations as an organization is to have margin financially, So the margin you create allows you to boldly respond to opportunities that come up. For us, that's things like buildings that we could get into or campuses that we could start. For 11 years now, we've been living below our means. Our goal is to live about 10% below our means, which allows us to build up margin to respond to opportunity. It also helps us when there's crisis to not have to back off of our mission. Now, some leaders haven't led this way for a period of time, and you're seeing that in the midst of a crisis, I want to encourage you now to reframe how you think, to live with margin, to lead with margin, and you'll be able to be more bold in your leadership. Also, the opportunities that you pursue as a leader, you can be bold in pursuing opportunities. So if you're a restaurant owner, maybe you want to think about new locations that you start. If you own a software company, think about new software that you can release, but be 
bold in the kind of opportunities that you pursue. You don't have to make a bold prediction to pursue a bold opportunity. Some of the language that I have found to be super helpful is to say things that still get people to think about the future, to still dream and still have their vision expanded without making predictions. So I'll use phrases like, wouldn't it be amazing if? So as a church, we're trying to start five new locations over five years. And we say, hey, wouldn't it be amazing if we could start five locations over the next five years? Or we'll say, our goal is to start five new locations over the next five years. So a bold stretch goal is very different than a bold prediction. So I want to I want to frame it in the bold goal category, not the bold prediction category. A lot of leaders make these predictions and then those predictions don't come true. And then over time, people trust them less when they make another prediction into the future. So you can use bold, faith-filled, optimistic language without predicting the future. You can predict, but predict loosely. So I want to be wise with numbers and dates. I want to under-promise and over-deliver with the dates that I use. I want to under-promise and over-deliver with the numbers that I use. So I want to be wise with numbers. And then I want to avoid, in my language, extreme phrases. So some of the negative phrases that I've found when it comes to credibility is like when I say things like, oh, everything is this way or everyone is this way. Um, the, The all kind of language, when all doesn't happen or everything or everyone doesn't happen, Uh, the way that we say, then people don't trust the words that we use. So we can say things like, hey, for now, this is what we're thinking. Or based upon what we know today, this is what we're going to do. I love this one. Uh, I could be wrong, but... So you you can make a really bold decision and just say on the front end, hey, I could be wrong, but X. And then you're just framing expectation in a way that builds trust so you're constantly, as a leader, moving towards under-promise, over-deliver, under-promise, over-deliver. I want to create the future, not predict the future. I, th- I think in leadership early on, I thought that the way I would get people to follow me is if I predicted bold things. But it's a lot more credible to create things and then point to or be able to, as a leader, have this train of things that have happened behind you so that people know, hey, this this leader delivers on the things that they say that they're going to do. I also, as a leader, I want to speak to pastors. I know some pastors, we talked about this earlier, lay down the God card. And I am not saying you should never lay down the God card. I just personally want to be sure God led me to do something before I say God told me to do it. And even when I say that, I can say things like, the best I know, I believe God is leading us in this direction. So when I say it that way, I want to make space. Hey, God in time, at times before has led us in a direction and he's done more. Sometimes we were led in a direction and we got it wrong. But the best we know, this is how God is leading us. That language, I promise you, will help you. There I go with that bold phrase, I promise you. That language, I believe, will help you as a leader. It will help build your credibility. So be careful of boldly predicting the future. Number six is to... Act like you don't have a backside. One of the quickest ways for a leader to diminish and destroy credibility is to act like they don't have a backside. Now, when I say backside, what do I mean? I mean your weaknesses. As a leader, every single one of us have weaknesses. There are things that we're not good at. There are some strengths that you have and there's some weaknesses that you have. And everybody around you knows that you're good at some things and that you're not good at others. 
And if we ignore our backside as a leader, we'll pay for it. Every leader has a backside. Those who ignore their backside pay for it. The people who are most likely to see your backside are the people who are following you. They're behind you. So I'm not saying don't put clothes on your backside. I'm just saying don't act like you don't have a backside. People tend to highlight the weaknesses you ignore and ignore the weakest weaknesses you highlight. There are conversations that are happening when you are not in the room as a leader. And the things that people talk about, which are my weaknesses, I want to bring those conversations into the room when I'm in the room so that I can get better as a leader. Part of this conversation happening in a healthy way is when I acknowledge the things that are not good, the things I'm growing in. I, I like to share with our team things that I need to change in. And I like to ask our team for feedback on the things that they see in me that need to change. Um, some of the questions that have been super helpful for me is, what, what's one thing to ask your team? What's one thing you wish I'd do more of? Your team will tell you. And sometimes if, if they're not ready for this, you may have to do it anonymously and let them do it a, like a Google survey and tell you what's one thing that I'd like you to get better at or do more of. Ask people, what's one thing you wish I'd do less of? I had a leader recently who was asking me, like, what's your best strategy for growth as a leader? And I, I believe that one of the best ways to improve in my leadership is to let the people around me tell me what they'd like to see me grow in, especially those that I'm spending the most time with. Now, if you get too far in the circles and people who are not on your team may not have accurate information, but those closest to you are seeing you lead on a day-to-day -day basis, and they can give you really good, helpful input to help you get better. One other question is, what's one thing I'm doing or have done that is most undermining my leadership? There are times where I say things or do things that maybe because people don't have the time or think I don't have the time or we're too busy, they might not tell me. But if I ask for it, they'll give it to me. And there, there's so many great things that have come out of these conversations for me. Like, I am really driven I have a heart. I'm not a very patient person. I get ideas. I want to immediately implement those ideas. There have been times in my leadership where I would get really excited about something for six to eight weeks, and then I'm on to the next thing, and the whole team moves in a direction because I'm excited, and then I switch direction. And I remember people saying to me, hey, this is really affecting us. I remember other times when we first started with our current executive leadership team model, our team saying, Andy, you're not engaged with us, and it's hard for us to be engaged if you're not engaged. Uh, there, there are times where people have noticed my anxiety over the future and how that anxiety affects the team. All these conversations with the inner circle that I work with have really helped me grow as a leader. And I, t I take that feedback um, so in such a helpful way to, like if I can see those areas that need to grow, those conversations become like better than five books on leadership because I'm getting right into the thing that I need to work on. I want to encourage you as a leader that if you own your weaknesses, people will give you more grace. If you highlight your weaknesses, people are going to, they're going to, they're going to look at those weaknesses and they're going to be like, yeah, me too. I got weaknesses and let's all get better together. But if you ignore them, you hide them, people are going to think you as a leader are arrogant. They're going to think that you don't want to improve and it's going to diminish your credibility. So number five, boldly predict the future. Number six, act like you don't have a backside. Both of those will diminish your leadership. Hope you found this helpful. I want to encourage you to share it with others. Uh, talk about it with your team. And join us as we wrap it up in the next episode 
on this session, the eight ways to destroy your credibility as a leader.